What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Niche Radio. another episode of Niche Radio. I'm your host, Kyle Nitchin. And if this is your first time on the podcast by chance, welcome as well. Thank you for spending some time here. This is a podcast on personal and professional development topics. And that's exactly what we talk about here in this episode. Today, I interview Matt Nichols, which is a good friend of mine, also the coach, my lead trainer, and the general manager of Oak Park LA, AKA CrossFit Los Angeles. I've been training at Oak Park LA for about the last year, and I've been blown away by my experience there. I really appreciate the way that they approach fitness, health, wellness, recovery. It's something very unique and and something pretty rare, to be honest, nowadays in today's fitness industry in our hyper-connected world. Matt is an XBT certified coach, CrossFit level two trainer, USA sport performance coach, nutrition coach, and certified in the art of breath. I mean, he's got a very wide range of education and a lot of experience to back up what he says. So I think you're going to get a lot of value. I'm very excited for this conversation. And again, thank you for, for taking the time to listen to this episode and listen to this conversation. I really appreciate it. So without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Help me welcome Matt Nichols. Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. This is a podcast on personal and professional development topics and, um, I'm really excited to have you on. I've I've admired your work ethic and your leadership and your humility from from the day I met you uh, at Oak Park, uh, the gym that I that I go to and that you coach me at. So, with that said, um, why don't you just provide a quick um, story? I call it an origin story, just a basic of how you got to where you are right now, uh, coaching at Oak Park. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kyle. It's um, in the beginning. No, uh, I started out as a lawyer, uh, and I kind of fell into that in an attempt to meet other people's expectations for myself. It was never something I thought I wanted to do, and I persisted in that for a while. I was quite good at it, but not fulfilled by it. I discovered CrossFit in 2012, and it really... Mm-hmm lit a fire in me. It changed my life as it has for so many of us. And um, there were opportunities there to assist the coaches who changed my life. And as I got more into that, I discovered, you know, I like problem solving. And that's what was attractive about being an attorney. But I really enjoyed solving problems on that personal level, one-on-one with a client or a member at the gym. And so it just grew from there. I lived in uh, the Tahoe area for the for 15 years, and as I developed as a part-time coach, I realized this is a thing that I want to devote myself to, and I want to find a way to do this full-time. 
didn't even know if that was a thing you could do. And um, I discovered Kenny Kane in 2014. He completely changed my perspective on how to coach CrossFit. And I thought at that time, if there were ever an opportunity to work with someone like him, this is who I want to work with. And uh, yeah, in 2017, made contact with Kenny. Surprised that he called me back the next day. We talked for three hours the first time we were on the phone. And flew down to LA a week later, spent a week with him at his house. And uh, at the end of that week left Los Angeles, Kenny said, look, there's no job for you here. I don't have a job. Uh, I'm not offering you anything other than if you do come to LA and you want to train somewhere, you can come train here, but there's no job. And I was like, okay, sure. But that's the door being opened. I'm going to jam my foot in that door and make something of this. And a month later moved from Tahoe to LA. And about four or five months later, started coaching my first classes at Oak Park. And uh, yeah, I've been going strong ever since. That's awesome. It's, it is. Um, and we, you know, we were talking right before we started uh, recording. It, it's not even something I could have conceived of as a thing for myself five years ago, six, seven years ago. I knew there was something more than what I was doing, but I didn't know it could be this. And uh, that just makes me excited because who knows what the next five years is going to bring, but I can't even conceive of it right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We were just talking about that. You don't know the person you are today doesn't know what the person you are in the future will be able to see vision or, you know, be able to manifest. Mm -hmm. So that's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. Did you grow up in the Tahoe area? No, I grew up in Texas and uh, mm -hmm. lived all over Texas. My dad was a basketball coach. And so when his teams won, we stayed. And when they didn't win, we moved on. So I got to see a lot of Texas and um, also got to see a lot of great coaching along the way. It was, uh, I mean, to be honest, difficult growing up the son of a coach. And I think it kind of uh, pushed me away from that as a, an idea of what I might want to do with my life. And yeah, I just needed enough distance from it <laughs> to, uh, yeah. to feel like I wasn't following in my dad's footsteps, you know? Right, right. And you come back and you probably had some pretty natural, strong uh, strengths in that area from uh, your childhood. Mm -hmm, That's great. For sure. And he was a great example in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Kicking it back to the, the first day that I showed up at Oak Park, yeah. one, of the, one of the greatest things I experienced, and it was during my onboarding experience, um, I came in to come check out the gym. I just moved to Santa Monica, California and uh was looking for gyms in the area and we met i hit a workout it was great it was a great environment great people in the class and uh we connected exchanged numbers and you invited me back for another class another workout which we did we hit another workout one of the coolest things though about that was right after i think the second time we met you pulled me over to the whiteboard and you drew up a little quadrant, a little square, um, and divided it into four. And you know, you place little different functions of life in in each quadrant. You know, you had a physical practice in one, professional in the other, relationships and recovery. And you had me divvy up my my time and my chips 
into each of those and you called it the snapshot and it's what I did I never heard of it before but it was the coolest coolest like look into how I'm spending my time um, and, and got me really hooked on uh, on the philosophy there so my question to you is is can you tell us about the snapshot what it is what's the purpose of it and and why someone should should use it frequently yeah absolutely and um yeah, I remember that first conversation we had about the snapshot as well. And what I really appreciate about you as an athlete and a, a student at the gym was your willingness to be real in that conversation with me, with yourself, and and just the way you took a moment to take all of it in and recognize what we're trying to do at Oak Park. The snapshot is one of uh, several decision-making tools that we use as coaches in our relationships with our students. And it's really a way for you to evaluate how are you spending your attention and your time? Because really that's your only resource that's yours and how you spend it defines what's important to you. And it's not infinite. You know, we have a limited supply of attention and energy that we can devote to the things in our lives. And so can we get you to look at how your physical practice at the gym fits in with all of the other things in your life. And then, okay, well, here's where I am now. And this is why we call it a snapshot. Boom. It's an image of where you are at this moment. Where do you want to be? And we can pick a time in the future. Maybe that's three months from now or a year from now. I think in your case, we were looking at, okay, when this project in Thousand Oaks is done, where do you want to be at the end of that project? And we can reset and do this, understanding that life ebbs and flows and the re requirements of life, the ways you must spend your energy, those change over time. Your interests are going to change over time. All of those things change over time. But can we apply some intention to how we're going to spend our energy over those ups and downs, that ebb and flow of life, so that we're getting out of it the growth that we're seeking? Mm -hmm. um, it really it comes out of a lot of things. Self-determination theory is a big piece of this. And just the recognition that everything in life tugs on everything else. And mm -hmm. if you don't apply intention to it, things are going to change. Like time is going to pass. You're going to grow older. Um, and without intention, there's no way to direct where you're going to go. So the snapshot, you know, so you described it pretty well. It's a square and then we can cut that into a grid with um, an axis down the middle and an axis across. And in that top left corner, we typically will put work or professional relationships, um, professional obligations, just call it work. And then in the top right corner, physical practice. In the bottom left corner, recovery. And in the bottom right corner, humans or relationships and so you've got these four quadrants of the snapshot and then we'll say you've got 10 points to distribute among these four areas now let's look at where you are right now at this moment in your life if those 10 chips let's say describe your energy and your attention where is it going right now not not what do you perceive as most important but actually right now how are you spending your time how are you spending your energy and you know people want to cut one of those chips in half or they want to put them on the the bubble between two 
because we always want more, right? Uh, And it just doesn't work that way. You've got a finite amount. So once we have that, you say, all right, well, I've got this massive new project. We're building a hospital and it's going to take most of my time. And six of my chips are going into work. One's going into Natalie. Two mm-hmm. are going into physical practice, and all of a sudden you're at nine, and you're like, "But I also want to do all this recovery stuff." Uh, and that, uh, then that one is like, "Well, what does that one mean?" So, you know, it just gives you an opportunity to look at, "Well, this is how I'm spending my time. Is this appropriate to the context that I'm in right now?" Mm-hmm. The idea is not that it's balanced across all four quadrants. That that's not really how life tends to work out. But the the point is, is my attention appropriately split between these four areas in a way that matches the context of right now? Yeah. Knowing that that's going to change, can we pick an endpoint at which we can reevaluate? All right, in three months, I want to move some of these chips out of work and into relationships, or I want to move out of recovery and back into training, mm-hmm. right? And just okay, now you've got some structure to how you want to shift your energy over time. And if you've got a relationship with a coach that you trust, a guide, then we can shape your physical training through that relationship to match how you're trying to move that energy. Mm -hmm. And if I know that you're on a project that requires an hour and a half commute each way and you're putting 70 hours a week in, and you're telling me I want to train for the CrossFit games at the same time, then brother, we're going to have to have a talk because those things don't match up, but it could be, Hey, I know I'm going to be doing this commute and working these hours for the next six months. After that, I want to shift some of this out of work and into training and be less in a sort of uh, maintenance mode and more in a let's get after it mode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very well said and completely agree. Thank you for sharing. It's it's just sure. a very powerful tool um from when I learned about it when you showed it to me that day. Mm-hmm. I've been using it and keeping it in the back of my mind ever since. Um like you said, everyone seems to there's a big illusion out there that that um balance, you know, balance. You got to be balanced. But balance is kind of an illusion because it's really geared toward your, like you said, intention. What are your goals for this year? Where, where do you want to be? For me, I'm younger in my career and I want to, you know, amplify my career and, and keep that moving forward. So mm-hmm. for me, it, for me, it makes sense and, and feels appropriate to have more chips into the career bucket, into the professional bucket. And then later on down in life, when life ebbs and flows as it does, you know, I'm going to want to start a family. I'm just using myself as an an example. Yeah, no, this is great. And then I'll have to pull chips out of that bucket and put it into relationships, um, family, and that. And same with training. And then my training is going to have to adjust. So I just think it's a powerful tool and wanted wanted the listeners to be aware of it and, and apply it to their situation and their life. My next question is another concept that I learned about since going to Oak Park, and that is the concept of investing in fitness versus consuming in fitness. And I think this is going to strike a chord. Can you explain 
the difference between those two investing versus consuming fitness? Yeah, this is uh, also a great concept that helps us as coaches frame for people the question of is Oak Park the right place for you to train? We are looking at the growth of humans over time. And it's not about quick fixes. It's not about a six week challenge. It's not about instant gratification. And it's not about just getting on the wheel and just spinning the wheel. Um, there are so many avenues for exploring fitness in, gosh, in LA, there's an infinite number of ways, right? Everything from pop from up boot, every from, day. <laughs> yeah, from boot from boot camps to yoga to CrossFit to powerlifting to goat yoga to parasailing. I mean, everything under the sun is available here. Um, but if you're looking for a quick fix, that we're not the place for you. And so that's really where that comes from because we know that growth is uncomfortable. We know that it's not an instant process. We know that it takes time and nurturing. Um, we strongly believe that it's better when you do it with other people. And it requires intention. I mean, this comes back to the snapshot and I mean, really comes back to just about everything. Something my granddad said, my gramp, when I was growing up and this really has stuck with me from the time I was maybe seven, eight years old was, always know why you're doing what you're doing. And that's really at the heart of all of the decision-making tools that we're using at Oak Park and this conversation of investing versus consuming fitness. And investment is just a recognition that for this to be a sustainable thing over time, you have to contextualize what you're doing. And it can't be just a mindless, I need to sweat so I'm just gonna go sweat. And this week it's Barry's boot camp, and next week it's Orange Theory, and the week after it's a CrossFit Groupon thing. And all of that's fine. Like every one of those avenues for exploring your fitness is fine. But if the the only intention behind it is, well, it's it's cheap or I'm bored or my friend is doing it, and there's no more thought to it, you're just consuming. It's like eating potato chips. Right. It's not very satisfying. You'll get some calories for sure. It'll taste good. Uh, but the end result is rarely what we're actually looking for there. It's just an in the moment, instant gratification sort of thing. And we are looking for folks at our gym and we're trying to guide people on a journey where they can take that same concept of variety and, and keeping things interesting and the undulations of life, but apply some framework to it so that it's supportive of who they want to become, the life they want to live, and it's sustainable. Mm -hmm. I don't, don't want to be the CrossFit gym where people come in, train hard for three years, get hurt, and then they're at the bar telling nom stories about how they used to do CrossFit, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we know those guys. We do. They blew their back out or they tore up their shoulder or whatever the thing might be. And um, 
you know, in many of those cases, it's just because there wasn't much intention behind it. It was come in, go hard, and just spend, 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 not invest, invest, invest. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's everything from the breath work and the mobility that we implement to the way the programming is broken down into practice, comp- competition, and mental toughness, to the intentional addition of things like the running classes and uh, Nick's bodybuilding class. Like we're, we're not against variety. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. Variance is an important aspect of this. We want to keep things interesting, but with some intention behind it. And that's really the crux of the consumption versus investment ideas yep. that there's some intention behind what you're doing and that there's a longer term play there. Yeah. Yeah. I know in my life that I've seen really anything that is, is taken patience and a long-term mindset is usually always been a good thing. Um, it's usually always, always proven to be a great thing is just delaying short-term satisfaction and, and playing, playing the long game. But you touched on this about your programming at Oak Park. Why, what, what is the intention behind programming um, practice days, mental toughness days, and competition days, and things like that, breaking it down into themes? I, something I've loved, but I want to know more about the intention behind that. Well, uh, my first exposure to it actually was a podcast that Kenny was on uh, with Barbell Shrugged back in 2014. This is when I was first exposed to him, and it just blew my mind because at that time, the world of CrossFit, and I think you were, you were doing CrossFit in 2014, so you probably were exposed yeah. to this. Practically every gym out there was programming as if the average people coming into their gym were CrossFit Games competitors, right? Yeah. And CrossFit had put out this uh, theoretical hierarchy of competency, and it began with nutrition, and then it moved into aerobic conditioning, into gymnastics into weight training and finally into expression of all of that in sport and that was the height the the pinnacle of the pyramid you know and the way kenny described it in that podcast was essentially that the pyramid had been flipped and that the the focus was so much on the expression of crossfit as a sport at every level regardless of whether that's an appropriate thing and there was so little emphasis on the competencies to get to there. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, then how do we do that? And his answer to that question was, well, we have to contextualize the, the training in a way that is appropriate to this. Knowing that most people need to develop skills and develop strength, develop capacity before they can express it, how do we structure the training so that you get the variance of CrossFit and, and the... Um, variety that keeps people interested but simultaneously develop skills in a way that allows for greater and greater expression of those skills as people develop more competency in them how do you do this in a way that stays interesting and also uh, preserves the spirit of three two one go get after it right Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you think about any professional sport, LeBron James doesn't play a game every day, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And so, so the idea that every day we go to CrossFit, you're going to put out a hundred percent maximum intensity and it's going to be for a score 
I'm not saying that's what CrossFit HQ proposed as a way for CrossFit to be uh, led, but that's essentially where we were as an industry and as a community mm-hmm. was every day was a competition day. And that's not sustainable in a variety of ways. I mean, one, you can't sustain maximum intensity across multiple days of a week. It's just not going to happen. That becomes your new baseline and, and it drops off. And so the, the training benefits you get from high intensity start to wane because you can't sustain high intensity across a full week of training. But if we're also at maximum intensity, then you're not giving space for the development of skills. Mm-hmm. If you're going to learn a skill, you do not learn it at full speed. Nobody learns how to throw a punch or hold a guard at 100% sparring speed. Yeah. You have to you have to practice the fundamentals before you step into the ring and go full speed. You're not going to work on your jump shot in the middle of a game. You're going to test it. You know, you're going to be challenged to show what you've learned, but you're not learning in that context. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so the way we break it down is we've got three training cycles per year. Each of those training cycles starts with a test week, and that's five workouts that hit lots of different energy systems lots of different skill competencies. And then we've got 12 weeks of training and a retest week. And in those 12 weeks of training in between, the bulk of that time is spent on the development of specific skills, strengths, and capacities that relate to our test week. And that's like 60%. So like three days a week, we're we're practicing. Mm And it's a deliberate focus on getting better at things that are going to help us get better at those test workouts. 30% of the day, so one or two days a week, we will hit a more traditional kind of CrossFit uh, workout, you know, competition workout. And those days are less about learning or developing new skills than they are about testing the skills that you have. And then one day every couple of weeks, we'll have a mental toughness workout. And those mental toughness workouts, our intention behind them is to structure the workout in a way that gives you an opportunity as an athlete to say, all right, here's the thing in here that makes me really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose to go after it. I'm going to choose to sit in that discomfort and I'm going to see what comes up and I'm going to deal with it. And uh, that sounds pretty lofty when you describe it, Mm -hmm. but execution, if the students are willing to engage with it, you can learn a lot about yourself. And those, those workouts are less about developing a skill. They're less about getting a score. And they're much more about what can I learn about myself. And they're hard. Like, oftentimes, we don't want to be confronted with what we see in those workouts. And that's why we only hit them once every couple of weeks. Yes, those are my personal favorite. Those are my personal favorite. Learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. What action can listeners take in the next 24 to 48 hours with uh, moving forward on their health and fitness goals? Well, uh, I'll come back to what I said earlier about intention. Uh, Pay attention, right? Mm. Yeah, pay attention to what you're doing. And that could be as routinized as log your food and log your sleep and take a look at what you're doing and then compare that to, you know, is, is this the 
is this the way I want to live? Right. I mean, we have this weird context of the quarantine or isolation, safer at home, all of it. But even so, you've got control over what goes in your mouth. Mm-hmm. If we're talking about food, because that's one that's within our control, are you paying attention to what you're eating? And just so write it down, write it down and then look at it. That's, that's where I would say most people could start is just creating some awareness about what they're doing what they're eating, you know, throw some frosting on that cake. How are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. When are you going to bed and when are you getting up? And then you can look at that and go, all right, where are some changes I can make? But if you don't know where you're at, you know, if we don't have a baseline, hard to know where we're going to make changes that are going to move us in the direction we want to go. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So get some awareness and pick a direction that's suitable yes. and relatable to you or that person. What does your physical practice look like right now, Matt? Maybe, you know, maybe let's talk about maybe not right now during quarantine, but normally what is your, what is your physical practice look like and how does it play a role in how you operate as a leader, as a, as a human being and um, in your community? Um, my training yeah, right now is not the right time to look at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything I want to do, they've taken from me. No, um, <laughs> barbells at the gym. No climbing, no surfing. No, can't do any of that. No. Um, my physical practice, like I prioritize getting outside as much as I can. And whether that's hiking, trail running, mountain bike, mm-hmm. surf, climb, I want to be outdoors and I want to be in the sun. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like, I like learning new things. And so there's always something I'm a terrible surfer, but it's great fun being in the water. And, you know, you, you have those moments one out of every thousand waves where it's like, Oh, that kind of felt right. Yeah. I like chasing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But typically I'll take class at the gym. This is one of the things that I really love about the coaches that I work with is that we routinely are taking classes with our community. Yep. So I'll make it a priority to get in with as many, of the classes during the week as I can. And then one or two days of supplemental work for me, I've got core and glute and upper body stuff that more like bodybuilding type work that I'll get in one or two days a week and then swim one or two days a week and get outside, get outside and train. Yeah. And um, that can look very different week to week, but I want you know, I want to have fun with my training as much as anyone else. Yeah. And it can be a drag, you know, when you forget why you're training, you can fall into those slumps of like, man, none of this feels good. Why am I doing this? And you've got to, even for me, I've got to go back and relate it back to what I'm trying to accomplish uh, Mm -hmm. and what I want my training to support. And, you know, it needs to support me as a coach. This is my profession. I need to be able to, well, I want to embody the things that I'm asking other people to do. Mm-hmm. But I also want to have a healthy body that allows me to participate in the kinds of things I want to do with my life. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's amazing to use your fitness. You know, you, you train yeah. in the gym and, and do what you got to do in the gym, but then to go out and in the real world and use it and, and see it pay off is, is the bomb. Like, you know, whenever I go up on the mountain and snowboard, I'm like, God, like, you know, I can still hit these turns, you know, 
at full speed and just feeling good. And, and that's amazing. So that's definitely a big reason why I do it. Moving to XBT and mm. breath work and some of the stuff that you are really focused on. I know that you're, I believe you're a master or certified master XBT trainer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have to put labels on it, but I am one of seven master coaches for XPT. And um, I really just pursued that certification. So the other coaches would have to call me master. That means anything more than that. Uh, I think there's supposed to be a salute or something that goes along with it, but so far no one's playing along. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And XPT, so extreme performance training is something that I got involved in through the gym, uh, Mm -hmm. through Kenny's relationship with Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, who are the founders founders of XPT and what I really like about it because it's more of a let's call it like a lifestyle uh, umbrella in which to fit your training rather than a training modality is XPT's recognition of breath work movement and recovery as co-equal pillars of a healthy lifestyle and it was just uh, such a great framework for me to fit all of the different things I was doing into one sort of whole and that felt really compelling to me and that um that has really been uh, a great anchor for me in developing my coaching over the last couple of years in particular and just uh helping to contextualize everything that i'd been doing into a lifestyle and mm-hmm. uh you know part of my fitness at least for the last several months before this quarantine was uh Shirley and coach Shirley and I would go up to Malibu to Laird and Gabby's house and train one or two days a week with them in their pool and um man that was uh just such uh an intense and demanding and at the same time very restorative practice and it just fits so nicely into everything else that I was doing and man I really look forward to getting back to that once this quarantine yeah. is over. Yeah, it's huge. And I think it's the, uh, the next, I mean, it's like cutting edge um, philosophy, I believe, for fitness. Uh, breathe, move, recover. Part of the recovery, though, and something we've been doing at the gym that I want to talk about is specifically the, the fire and ice combination mm-hmm. of, of, of sauna exposure and ice bath exposure. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the benefits for first ice baths and and talk about that, the science behind that? Yeah, I mean, there's developing science on it all the time. There are some recovery benefits from cold water immersion and those range from like reducing inflammation, uh, cell autophagy, all sorts of recovery benefits. What we are primarily using it for through Oak Park is uh, mental resiliency or mental toughness training. Choosing Mm -hmm. to do a thing that is really deeply uncomfortable and confronting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, you know, in my experience at least, confronting in a way that even a barbell is not, even in a way that Fran is not, because with Fran, I can step away from the bar, right? I can stop in the middle of it, even if it's just for a few seconds and rest. In an ice bath, in a 35 to 38 degree ice bath, there's no stepping away from it. There's either doing the thing or not doing the thing, but there's no in between. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's such a confronting uh, and uncomfortable environment for us to test our capacity to control our mind. And we do that through breath work. But um, yeah, as far as the science, there's plenty of, plenty of evidence to support the ways in which ice baths are helpful for our long-term health. There are changes to our fat cells that can occur from doing repeated exposure to ice bath that can uh, produce uh, over time like more brown fat in our body or convert more of our uh, fat cells to brown fat, which can help with body composition, which is not to say that ice baths are a way to weight loss or, or leaning out, but can support it. But really and truly what we're using it for most of the time is confronting yourself with something that's very uncomfortable. And and then how do you handle it, right? And then we'll use the sauna as a way to uh, also test people. And the sauna has lots of recovery benefits as well. It's probably been more widely studied and so there's more scientific evidence to support the ways in which uh, heat exposure um, helps the body, but we're using it as its own independent stressor, or we're using it as a general recovery tool. But for the most part, when we're doing contrasting ice and heat, we're using the sauna to help heat people's core body temperatures back up enough that they can do multiple rounds of ice baths in the same session. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it truly is an effective method because you have no other choice but to do one thing and that's focus on your breath. You know, you have no mm-hmm. choice but to be present. So I, I, I found it very effective myself and would recommend that more people go out there and experiment with, with ice and heat for recovery process and a mental toughness. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, and you don't have to start with ice baths. It can start with a three minute cold shower. Mm-hmm. You can start with take your shower before bed and then, turn it to cold, start breathing first, but turn that water to cold and then work your way up to being able to stay under a cold shower for three minutes. Mm -hmm. And you'll have, you'll get additional benefits from that if you're doing it right before bed, because you're going to get a parasympathetic rebound that's going to help you sleep well later. But, you know, one of the things that we are doing at Oak Park is we're, we're building a group we're building a community of people who regularly choose to be uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. we know that growth does not happen when we're comfortable and the ice bath immersion, the sauna, all of it's part of that same uh, idea that we're going to regularly choose to do things that are uncomfortable, knowing that that's where we are going to have opportunities to grow. Ever since joining the gym, breath has been an integral part of, of everything we do there. And in fact, I didn't know much about breathing. I didn't even think about breathing before I, before I joined and started training with you guys. So can you talk a little bit about breath work and if you can find a good way to summarize and package up the breath philosophy with training and, and also actual breath work? So taking a breath is the first act you'll take as a human being, it'll be the last thing that you do. So, I mean, it is woven into everything that we do. 
we're largely unaware of it. But how we breathe directly affects our nervous system state. So it affects how we feel. It will affect how we move. And if we understand that we have the capacity to change our movement patterns and change how we feel by changing how we breathe, then you understand you have a tremendous toolkit at your disposal and it doesn't require an app or a guru or anything like that. It requires ability on your part to be aware of the context and to choose to shift your state, psychological, emotional, physiological, by changing how you breathe. Mm -hmm. And really what we're looking for is to give people a big toolkit or big toy box to play with and to understand the different contexts in which all of these tools can be used and whether that's movement or breath. You know, do you understand the context here and then can you pull the right tool or toy out of the box so you can have as much fun with that moment as possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing I noticed or was taught a lot I didn't even know the different gears of breath, you know, uh, gear one, gear two, gear three. Um, is there, is there something you can add on how those work? Uh, well, we got the gear system from power speed endurance. So Brian McKenzie and Rob Wilson at power speed endurance started the art of breath. I want to say maybe four years ago and the gear system is such a great shorthand for describing the way in which you breathe, the cadence and the intensity of it. And the idea is, can you just, can you match the demands, the metabolic demands of the environment that you're in to your breath? And mm -hmm. so if we're going on a, let's say we're going on a five mile run, it's not appropriate for a lot of reasons to be breathing in and out of your mouth on a five mile run. If we're trying to maximize the efficiency of our energy systems in our body, if we're trying to move in optimum shapes, if we are trying to improve our ability to make decisions under stress, then what we should be focused on on a five mile run is breathing in and out through our noses, right? So that's your gear two or your gear three. If it is 40 meter sprint repeats, that's a different context entirely, a different energy system. And so there, there might be an opportunity there where it's appropriate to breathe through your mouth. But really it's just understanding that if I'm breathing through my nose, it's primarily an aerobic energy system that's being used there. We're metabolizing fat, we're using oxygen for fuel, and that's gonna be for longer duration activities. And in fact, mm. most of your day, when the energy demands are low, we should be breathing through our noses. I mean, you and I would be right now, but for the fact that we're talking and mm -hmm. we don't have much choice but to breathe through our mouths here. But if we are, let's say, in a very high intensity, short duration workout that's more anaerobic, then breathing through our mouths and using glycogen as our primary fuel source using a different energy system there is going to be appropriate to that context. And it's just a matter of 
hopefully over time educating the students so they understand, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm in this activity, the most appropriate way to breathe, because it's gonna help me be in the best positions, it's gonna use the right energy system, it's gonna be the most efficient. Okay, I'll breathe this way. And if it's a different context, it may call for a different way of breathing. But just understanding at a base level, how I breathe affects how I move and it affects how I feel and I have direct control over that. Is there anything else outside of uh, the operations at Oak Park that you're running um, that you'd like to share? Any other projects, any other things you're working on? Well, it's been very interesting for me, actually, the, the quarantine. I like solitude. I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. I enjoy spending time alone. I'm learning. I don't like being told to spend time alone. Um, so, so there's there's that for me to unpack, but uh, um, because I'm not at the gym as much as I would be otherwise, I've had more time to reflect on, well, what are the things that I actually wanna do outside of work? And that's been uh, quite confronting for me because it's easy for me to grind. It's easy for me to get into work mode and just put my head down and just grind. That has, led to a lot of success for me in you know, all the different professions and jobs and careers that I've uh, mm -hmm. experienced, but it leaves me sometimes unable to answer the question, what do you do for fun or what are you doing for yourself? And so this quarantine has let me sort of revisit that. Right now I'm taking uh, a writing course through uh, masterclass uh, David Mamet teaches a writing course on there, and mm -hmm. I've I've been a writer professionally as an attorney and um, sort of uh, as a hobbyist as well for most of my life, and so it's been a, a chance to revisit that. I mean, a lot of the things that I'm doing outside of work are related to fitness. Yeah, Cli climbing is one that I really enjoy and uh surfing as well so uh those are both kind of on hold right now but yeah studying french writing reconnecting with friends and um yeah and trying to incorporate like all of these new uh teaching tools that we have you know i'm i like the hands-on i like the personal one-on-one -on -one experience of coaching and uh you know Part of it, uh, this is it, right? I just brought it right back to work. But learning to incorporate Zoom and FaceTime and all of these other tools into my work, which, yeah, is not a not work project. But here you go. Mm -hmm. This is this is my work. But um, yeah, spending more time with friends, spending a lot more time writing, and um, just trying to figure out what it is I want to do that's not work because I don't want to be the guy on his deathbed who says, hmm, probably shouldn't have worked quite so much. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've, I've taken the same opportunity with this shutdown and lockdown. Been doing a lot of interpersonal work, uh, a lot of reflection. Yeah, a lot of writing, a lot of writing things out, a lot of reevaluating. I think it's a great opportunity to do it. So I think one of the best ways you can spin this, spin this whole thing into a positive, you know, so when we're on the other side, we can maybe uh, move forward with a little bit of a clearer picture, you know? Yeah. 
So great. In closing, um, how can the audience reach you? How can they connect with you if they want to ask you some questions or uh, ping you on some of the things that we talked about on this interview? Oh, yeah. So uh, if they want to visit the GEMS website, our website is oakparkla.com. And they can email me at matt, M-A-T-T, at oakparkla.com. That's the easiest way. Um, you might find my account on Facebook, but I'm not on there for any other purpose than to participate in a coaches group for XPT. Um, mm -hmm. If you send me a friend request, I won't accept it. Um, I have, I have an account on Instagram, but it's, it's not where I want to spend my time or energy. And so you're just mm -hmm. not going to find me active on social media. Email is the best way to get in touch with me. I will respond. And, um, if you're, if you're local and certainly after this quarantine has lifted face to face is my preferred way to get yeah. in touch with people. But, uh, yeah, I'm very accessible by email. I can send you my phone number if you email me and we can text as well. That works. But um, yeah, if you're in LA, once, uh, once we're back in action, come down to Santa Monica to Oak Park. We're at uh, 1431 Lincoln, downtown yes. Santa Monica. Yes, and, great uh, facility. Would love to meet you. Oh yeah. Great facility, great environment. Get a workout in. Well, thanks a lot, Matt. I really appreciate. I think there's some very valuable topics here for listeners and uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, Kyle, thanks for the invitation. And um, yeah, this was really enjoyable. I appreciate it. Sounds.